Specializing in the finest assortment of oboes, clarinets, bassoons, and their accessories, RDG Woodwinds serves musicians around the world. Their employees are all professional musicians who have a deep knowledge of the products that they sell. RDG's repair shop has an international reputation with a combined 100 plus years of service among the five repair technicians. Plain and simple, RDG provides excellent products and fabulous customer service. Visit them at rdgwoodwinds.com. They look forward to working with you. Consider buying your processed oboe and bassoon cane from those friendly folks over at Barton Cane. Processed with care and precision for your everyday reed-making needs. Take the pain and injury out of reed-making by letting Barton Cane do the hard, repetitive, boring stuff. Free up time for practicing happy hours, hikes, baking, and spending time with friends and family. Barton Cane, here for you. Visit www.bartoncane.com. Hi, I'm Galit Kaunitz. And I'm Jackie Wilson. And you're listening to Double Read Dish. A podcast for oboists, bassoonists, and the people who love them. Let's do this. Galit. Hey. <laughs> okay. So we're going to jump right into it. We're, we're a little short on time. This morning went a little long for us both. <laughs> I have been withholding a story from you because I have wanted to get your reaction on the podcast. I'm completely unprepared for this story time. Except for I did text you and tell you that I perhaps did the most dramatic thing a person can possibly do. Uh, and that's the story I'm going to tell you. Is this a double read story or is it's this a double just... read story? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not just, it's not me just being dramatic. Like it's an actual at a cheese at the grocery store and you started crying. <laughs> <laughs> that would happen. Okay. So my first question is if I declare that I'm the most dramatic person to ever live, does that make me more dramatic? Uh, I think inherently, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last weekend, I was playing a concert in Mobile. And through the rehearsals, like my oboe was just feeling bad, like really, really bad. And we were playing Firebird. And there's that one part in the second movement where the second oboe has to dovetail a very, very quiet low F sharp. Mm -hmm. from the principal oboe and just make it sound seamless. And I could not do it. And everything F sharp and below felt absolutely horrendous. And I couldn't figure out, I tried different reads. Like I could not figure out what was going on. I was getting more and more upset. Was it an adjustment issue? Well, just wait. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Just no interjecting. No peanut gallery. Okay. I just remember from when I taught oboe, those screws were the bane of my existence. That's where my brain always goes to. <laughs> so I hooked uh, my bell up to the tuner, you know, with one of those like wires. Uh, and I held an F sharp for like a long tone. And the longer I played, the flatter it got. Hmm. And I was like, this is so bad. This is so bad. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was sitting next to Rebecca, my principal, and she's like, 
I don't know what's going on with your elbow. I was like, I don't know what's going on with my elbow. And we were having like a mutual freak out about what was going on with my elbow. I was like, I think it's cracked, but I think it's cracked on the bottom joint. She's like, yeah, it does sound like it's cracked on the bottom joint. And we were just like losing our minds. She was like, okay, I think it's time for it. Like, I don't think you're going to be able to fix it. I think you need to find another oboe to play on. And I was like, totally agree. Wait, is this at a concert? No, this is a rehearsal. Okay. She was like, it's too late to try to fix it. And so, and I was like, completely agree. Thousand percent. I just need an oboe to play on. Um, because Mobis plays at a very high level. So if I'm not playing this F sharp, <laughs> it's <very> noticeable. <laughs> so I get online and I mobilize the entire oboe community of Mobile. <laughs> I got in touch with three different people. Actually, it wasn't even the entire oboe community of Mobile. There were more people I could have contacted. I got in touch with three different people and made arrangements to meet up with them over the course of the next 12 hours. Three oboes? You thought you needed three oboes? Well, what if my reads didn't work with one of them? I needed some options. Okay. (laughs) Does seem a little excessive. Three oboes. (laughs) so i made these arrangements i was like okay worst comes to worst i'll have an oboe by rehearsal tomorrow that's gonna work it may not be ideal because i didn't make my reads for it but blah 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 blah. i am full-on spinning out at this point so that's during the dinner break we come back for the evening rehearsal and we're in the middle of the tchaikovsky piano concerto first movement and rebecca turns to me and she goes i have a theory And I was like, what? (laughs) And she was like, I heard you adjusting your A-flat cancellation screw, like the one that goes over the bridge. Um, Do you think it might be too tight? And I was like, oh, my God. So I gave it a big old loosen. I gave it a big old quarter turn to the left. Problem solved. See, you should have just texted me because I would have told you it's the adjustments. I didn't even have to hear the oboe and I knew. I'm, I'm almost in tears because I thought my oboe was broken six ways this Sunday. And all I needed to do was turn the screw a little bit and it was fine. <laughs> so I messaged everyone back and I was like, sorry to be traumatic. Just one screw was a little bit too tight. I'm so sorry for the inconvenience. <laughs> and everyone was super nice about it, but I was very embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, to me, it was the end of the free world. The end of the world. It was the end of the world as I knew it. But it turned well, out to be fine. <laughs> that's a good life lesson, right? Sometimes the things that we think are like the biggest deal are like not the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's Isn't a good. That crazy. That's a good story. <laughs> I'm glad it was just your adjustment screws, but maybe now you agree with me that they are like an evil force in this world. No, they totally are. Like we need some acoustician to like come on here and defend why they're even necessary. Like, can't there be no other instrument has them. Mm -mm. There must be a better way. Mm -mm. Don't email us of why they have to exist. (laughs) Just a joke. I believe they have to exist. So the moral of this story is if you are having trouble in your low register before you lose your ever-loving mind, 
check that screw. It might be a little bit too tight. Yes. And before you think the world is ending, remember that there's a solution is near and we're all going to be just fine. And there are very nice people out there who are willing to help you, even if you didn't actually need it at all. But maybe you don't need three elbows. (laughs) ACDC Reads is a one-woman bassoon read shop in Minnesota run by Ariel Detweiler, producing over 1,200 reads per year. Selling beginner and advanced level bassoon reads, ACDC Reads are hailed by customers for their even intonation, ease of response in all registers, warm tone quality, and strong low register. Every read is made from tube cane processed in-house to Ariel's specifications using Rigotti or Lavaro cane and a Rieger 1A shape. You'll also find bassoon-themed gifts in the shop, including greeting cards, stickers, artistic prints, and the ever-popular Blackwing Bassoon Pencil. Make sure to follow ACDC Reads on Instagram, where Ariel posts artistic photos and educational stories about her everyday experiences with readmaking. ACDC Reads is proud to sponsor Double Read Dish, sharing positive and uplifting interviews to inspire and connect the bassoon community around the world. Find ACDC Reads at acdcreads.com or at retailers like Chemical City Double Reads, Midwest Musical Imports, or Read Supplies Canada. Try out ACDC Reads today and let the read do the work. Chemical City Double Reads is a full-service double read shop specializing in the sale of instruments, cane, accessories, and sheet music. Double Read Dish listeners can enjoy free shipping with code DRDISH. Visit them in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or online at www.chemicalcityreads.com. We are thrilled to welcome to Double Read Dish bassoonist Francine Peterson. Welcome, Francine. Good morning. Yes. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We love to start by asking our guests how they came to play their instruments. So can you tell us how you got started on the bassoon? It's kind of a long involved story. Um, My mom was a piano teacher. I am from the San Francisco Bay Area. I grew up in a town called Arinda, which is in the East Bay. And um, I I was always a pianist. And um, I had dreams. We'll talk about dreams. But I had dreams of being a concert pianist. Um, And um, when I was in middle school, my mom says, you know, you need to learn an instrument because there's a lot of pianists out there. And I said, well, I want to play the flute. And she knocked that down right away. She said, no. (laughs) And she says, why do you want to play the flute? And I said, well, the flute fits into my locker and I don't have to go to the band room after school to pick up an instrument because my bus is the first bus and Mm -hmm. it's a long walk home if I miss that bus. And she says, well, you're either going to play the bassoon, the oboe, or the French horn. She says, but I really like the bassoon, and I think you will also. Now, going back years before that, in elementary school, um, those were the days that they pulled you out to do music. And I wanted to play the cello. 
And I even got a cello and it was in a canvas bag and I was so proud of it and I loved it. And um, after the second, I was in the fourth grade and after the second meeting, the cello teacher says, you're never going to be a cellist because your hand is too small. And I was devastated, devastated. And I went back to class and my teacher thought I did something wrong. And I said, I didn't do anything wrong. And I went home and I told my mom and she was furious. Fast forward to middle school and my mom saying, you should play the bassoon. So she took me to San Francisco Symphony. And um, the second piece on the program was Ravel's left-hand piano concerto. And um, which we know starts with the contra bassoon solo. And I heard that. And I remember we were sitting in the balcony and I said to my mom, I said, what is that instrument? And my mom said, well, that's the contra bassoon. And Ray Ojeda is playing it. And she says, but you have to start on the bassoon. And then I heard that word again. And I said, well, I want to play the flute. And my, <laughs> my mom, bless her heart, said, no. She says, you're always going to get work playing the bassoon, oboe, or the French horn. They are always needed. And she was way ahead of her time. And so by the time I was in high school, um, and I started late. I started as a senior in high school on the bassoon. And I was horrible. And a clarinet player who had just started three months ahead of me was, I was in a practice room with her and she showed me basic fingerings. And I, I, I had never followed a conductor. I was always a pianist. I didn't know what that was like. And um, when I went out into the band and, and I sounded horrible and there was this percussionist in the back who said, what is that sound? It sounds like a dead whale. Oh, and, no. and, and it was, it was horrible. And I was crying and band was the last period of the day. And I went home crying and, and my mom, bless her heart, instead of saying, well, you can quit. Like so many parents say, oh, you're not happy quit. No, she said, I'm going to find you a teacher. And she found me a teacher. And to me, he was fine. He could play. Um, but then that experience of six months um, is why I love to start beginners. Because he said, oh, you're great, you're great, you're great. So coming from a small town to, as Arinda, I thought I was great. Then I went to college at San Francisco State University. And my teacher was Walter Green, who became my mentor. He was principal and assistant principal of San Francisco Symphony <clears throat> and tough, old school. And I thought I was a hotshot, but I was going to be a piano major. Well, the line for piano auditions was out the door hmm. of the building. For bassoon, it was a very short line. Mm -hmm. And I was so bad, I couldn't even play an F major scale. So I was not accepted for lessons. And I said, well, that's fine. I'm going to be a concert pianist. And I was accepted for piano lessons. And then this is where I'm a great believer in fate. And this is before the cell phone. All right. Another bassoonist contacted me that night. So he took the trouble to find out my phone number 
And he called me up and he says, I heard you didn't get accepted for lessons. And I said, that's true. I said, but that's fine. I'm going to be a concert pianist. And he says, well, I have to drop out of school. My mom just became very sick and I have to work full time. Do you want my lesson time? I said, let me see if it fits in my schedule. Bada boom, bada bing, it fit into the schedule. I showed up. Mr. Green says, what are you doing here? And I says, well, Felix had to drop out. So I'm here. And he says, okay, sit down. You have a lot to learn. And boy, did I have a lot to learn. And those six months of lessons that I had where I was told, you're so great, you're so great, became retraining, which took about two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I think that stuck in me so much as a teacher because I, I praise my students, but I also tell them what they are doing wrong. And um, and then I got better. And he was old school. He was tough. Boy, he was tough. But what he was, I think I got my tone from him. Um, rarely did he play for me. Rarely or any of us. Um, we went to the symphony to hear him. The sweetest sound ever and um I, I and I got better and I was like hmm well I was a music ed I was going to be a high school band director and um and my teacher always said you know you should look into performance and I was like no 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 you know and um and he says well you might want to look into it you know and I um then I for two years um, I studied with Walter Green for seven years. And then after that, um, I studied with Steve Paulson of the San Francisco Symphony for two years, two and a half years. Um, he was great, cleaned up everything I was doing, was fantastic. And then I went off to grad school. We're looking at grad schools. And I remember Steve Paulson said, well, there's um, a very good teacher at the University of Washington, Arthur Grossman. And I wanted to stay on the coast. I did not want to go in the middle of the country. I wanted West Coast or East Coast. And um, it was like Seattle. Sure. Okay. You know, and I auditioned, got in for my master's. And again, um, Arthur Grossman cleaned up everything. Um, fabulous. I mean, I, I would say all three teachers are my mentors. I think I model my teaching the most on um, Mr. Green. Mm -hmm. But um, one day um, I got a phone call for lessons and they said, well, Arthur Grossman recommended you. And I went to my lesson and I said, Mr. Grossman, I can't teach. And he says, I think you can. And I said, really? Why? And he says, you have a natural vibrato. He says, you're naturally musical. He says, that's always going to be the two hardest things for you to teach. But he says, everything else you've worked your ass off on. He says, I think you'd make a good teacher. And so I started teaching. Man, I, I didn't know. I was like, okay. And so I did what everybody else did. I started in the Weisenborn method. And everything was fine for the, about the first 20, 21 pages. And then we get to page 22 or 23. I'm not sure, Jackie, which page it is. I think it depends upon the edition. But there's an exercise that's in 4-8. Bada boom, bada bing. Nobody could count eighth notes. And I was like, oh, man. 
oh, what am I going to do? You know, <laughs> and, you know, and one thing <clears throat> Mr. Grossman always said, you know, like I, I, I would say, what does this word mean? And he would say, look it up. He says, if I give you the answer, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. If you take the time to look it up, you're going to remember it. Boy, was he bright. And he says, never sing a rhythm to a kid. Never sing a rhythm. They have to figure it out. And that 4-8 exercise is the hardest thing. So then I went to one of my um, advisors, Clyde Jasilla, who is also a bassoonist and a viola player at University of Washington. And I said, I, I, I says, I can't pass the kids, the student of mine on this. And he says, well, you might want to look into the bell one method for a bassoon. <clears throat> he says, but it's out of print. I went, great. What do I do now? You know? And he says, look into the Rubank method. And that's where it started. And that's, I think, where I became a teacher. Because in the Rubank method, um, it starts out incredibly easy. Thank you very much. On the third page, you learn going over the break. Thank you. And if when kids say, oh, it's really hard, it's like, it's no, it's not hard. It's on the third page of a beginning book. On the fourth page, <laughs> you, you learn how to flick. Thank you very much. You know, it's not hard. And, and it, it is hard for kids coming from a, where their thumb is basically stationary, saxophone, flute, um, uh, clarinet. The thumb is basically, and, and I'm telling them, lift up your thumb and you're going to tap this key. You know, and, um, and there's teachers out there who don't flick and that's fine. But I do flick and I'm also a believer. You do everything. I teach them everything, all the fundamentals. And because my job is when they go off to college, hopefully the teacher there, the professor there can continue on. If they have to go back a year, year and a half of teaching, I didn't do my job. So when it comes to flicking, it's, it's like this is <laughs> it's not that hard. But if you don't teach flicking and they go and they're they go off to a college and they've had four years of playing the bassoon without or three years of without playing, without flicking. Um, it is so ha hard to add it, mm -hmm. but it's so easy to take it away. Yeah. And you might have a professor who says, I don't believe in flicking. Boom. It's gone like Dorothy's house. <laughs> no problem at all, you know, but I teach everything. It's fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. And I've done my job. And 98, 99% of my students are not going to go into music. But if I can get them into a symphony hall and they can buy season tickets, I have done my job. They, they have a love for classical music. And I've done my job. So long-winded, that's basically how I started and um, freelancing just came along the way. Yeah. Well, I'd love to get um, more into uh, yeah your um, career as a player a little bit later, but if you'll indulge us some pedagogical questions to kind of follow up on this great, you know, story you've set up. Um, so 
I, I guess I have a couple questions, but the first thing that comes to mind is that as you're describing your teaching methods, and I know they work. I'm born and raised in Washington State. I grew up, I, you always hear your name in the bassoon community, and the proof is in the pudding. While maybe not all of your students uh, become professionals, the ones who do, we know. You have students in the Seattle Symphony and the Los Angeles Philharmonic and the Detroit Symphony, among others. So you have a proven record of success. But those of us who teach also know that um, sometimes some students push against the type of standards and emphasis on, no, I'm not going to sing it for you. No, you have to do this in this way. And uh, especially generationally, sometimes they seem to really bristle against that. And so I guess my first question is like, what do you do when you encounter the the students who aren't a Ben Royal Ward who like, you know what I mean? Do, do yeah. you sometimes say goodbye to students or how do you handle inspiring them to do it in, in your way? Yeah, that's a great question. <clears throat> um, I, 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 the medium I love to read is um, mysteries, whodunit. And it's like, how am I going to get through to this kid? This is not the kid that's going to practice. And I think the first thing I do is I try so hard to get them to be honest with themselves. It's like, did you really, when they come to their lesson, and I, they always have a notebook. So I have the notebook. We always start with a chromatic scale. And I say, you're going to thank me when you have to play Mahler. Every instrument has their idioms. Then we go into scales. Okay. And when I do scales, um, I always start on the lowest note of that scale, go to the highest note in the range of the bassoon and back to the, to F. If it's F major, they, they low F to high C or B flat, wherever they are, they might be playing a high D down to low B flat, back to low F. Okay. And then when the student says to me, um, oh, um, what page was it that I have to play? And it's like, you didn't practice. Oh, yeah, I did. Now, let's, let's get honest with yourself. Can you look yourself in the mirror? You know, um, and, and I make them feel guilty. <laughs> And that's probably my, you know, Irish Catholic upbringing, you know, the the guilt. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Going into confession. Um, and I'm also very sarcastic. Um, and and it's like, OK, well, let's hear it. And 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 I always ask questions. I, I say, how do you think that exercise went? Well, it didn't go that well. Yeah. Do you like do you like playing below the suck line? You like you like that? Great. Good. Fine. Wonderful. Play below the suck line. Or you can do this. And and I work with them on how to practice. Let's do it again. You know, and let's do it again. And they're always shocked. So how many times do I have to do this? I said four to seven times in a row. Come on, you're not going to start off running a marathon. You're going to build up to it. You have to build the muscles in your face. You know, there's 57 muscles or 56 muscles in the human face. You're using half of those. I rarely get rid of students, rarely. Now I am beginning to as I'm getting older. Um, but on the other hand, i got to make a living. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, um, um, and, and, you know, I'm a widow. So I, but also if I get rid of a student, I failed, I failed as a teacher. Why couldn't I get them to do it? You know, so I rarely, rarely get rid. I, it's just, okay, let's work another way around this. Um, playing duets with them, you know, um, and a lot of times it works, but I, I'm very blunt with them. I says, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you sound great. I.e. going back to how I started. Oh, you sound great. You sound great. And then I realized how horrible I was. I said, I'm not going to set you up for failure. And I always tell that to kids. I says, I might be a tough teacher, but I will never set a kid up for failure. Never. You know, and I'd like the parents to come into the first lesson only, only that's it. (laughs) They can, they can leave the room, you know, but I want the parents to know what I am made of. And if you don't like it, fine, go somewhere else. The other thing also is literature. Um, I'll give them an easy piece. A lot of times I feel with these newer teachers, and I'm sorry, these younger teachers, and they'll have a student that they've been teaching for seven, eight months, and they're in the eighth grade, and they're giving them Vivaldi A minor bassoon concerto, the hard one, the one I did on a doctoral recital. It's like, whoa, that kid's, and, and it, and it's horrible. And, and when I hear Seattle Youth Symphony auditions and it's sad, it's like that kid was set up for failure. Why not give them a galliard? What's wrong with the galliards? They are great. They are gems. What's wrong with a Boismatier, Telemann, a nice little easy, Baroque piece. <clears throat> I remember my son's percussion teacher says, you give them an easy piece, but they play it really well, really well, mm-hmm. and they will get in. Now, being bassoon, you know, they always take bassoonists, but they want to be in an orchestra that's age appropriate also, the Seattle Youth Symphony, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so it's it's giving them solos. It's playing duets with them, but also, I mean, it's it's just saying, I have a, a sheet of paper that's um, on a chair in my room that a parent gave to me years ago, and it's called the suck zone, and if you play above the suck zone, you practice <laughs> slowly, and below the suck zone, and I says, okay, where are you on this piece of paper? Um, well, um, well, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty good. Eh, Wrong. You suck. Do you really like that? You know? And then I record them. I go, listen to this, listen to this, you know? And it's like, well, wow, you're, you're, you're really tough. And it's like, I'm not going to set you up for failure. I'm really a nice person. I'm popular. Everyone knows me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a bad person, you know? Wait, can I interject for a moment? Just a yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't grow up in your region and mm-hmm. I'm an oboist, but even I know Francine Peterson and oh, your God. contribution. <laughs> and I'm ignorant. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> It's just like, you know, but, you know, but also I will praise, 
I, 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 a lot of times I say to a kid, how can such an intelligent, talented kid not get this? So I always try to do a negative with a positive. So they're hearing the positive, but it's not just all positive. Oh, you're fantastic, which happened to me. Mm -hmm. Going back to that, that six months or seven months of bad teaching is probably why I love to start beginners because I'm not going to set them up for failure like I was set up for failure. And who knows how it would have happened with me if I had just started with Mr. Green, if my parents had driven me into San Francisco, things might have been different. But, you know, fate, you know, brought its hand in and and and, and I love teaching. I still, oh God, I'm going to cry. I still get goosebumps when I when, when a kid comes in. Number one, they never know how to open up the case. It's like, huh? Yeah. Have you, have you ever gone on a trip? Do you have a suitcase? It's like, <laughs> you, you have to push the button to the right. Oh my gosh, it opened. Oh, wow. 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 <laughs> you know, brilliant, brilliant guys. Um, but I still get goosebumps saying, this is the bassoon. It comes in four pieces. You assemble it according to the case from the back to the front. And our mouthpiece is a crooked piece of metal. I Love that. I, I still gets to me. Yeah. So I try to do it positive with a negative, and I rarely, rarely dismiss students. But as I said, now I'm beginning more to do it. I, but the kids who are, what I'm finding now is after COVID, um, and thank goodness for Zoom, it saved my butt and many of my colleagues' butt during. COVID that we could teach online but the problem there are problems with online as we all know but you know I still was able to make a living thank goodness as were my colleagues but the what I'm fine now is that kids are picking up the bassoon but the parents will not pay for lessons Hmm. and I find that really disturbing they don't want lessons I can self teach they can teach themselves on YouTube bingo Bingo. <clears throat> but the kids who are taking lessons, the kids who are joining up for band want to be there. And that's the good thing. And um, I am very grateful to uh, the community of band directors who are in the trenches, as we know, you know, who wake up at 430 in the morning so they can do jazz band at 6.15 a.m. and then do a full day of teaching. And it's like, oh, my gosh you know and and they hire me to come in and coach but um it's it's harder now i mean i started before the pandemic i had 43 private students i'm now at 35 private students Hmm. which is still everyone says oh wow that's a lot that's a lot yeah yeah it is a lot it is a lot and i like to stay busy um um i i teach seven days a week but um I want more, you know, and you, you see the numbers with how many kids um, audition for Seattle Youth Symphony or Cascade Youth Symphony. The numbers are down um, and really on oboe um, and um, oboe more than bassoon. Um, but, but also the quality, the, um, 
there was a kid who auditioned for Seattle Youth Symphony, talented kid, very talented, had been playing for a year. And his teacher gives him the exposition of the Mozart bassoon concerto. It's like, what? What? No, no. Uh, and it was so sad because the kid got in. He plays a bassoon. OK, uh, but he could have been in a higher orchestra. Mm-hmm. It was like that kid was set up for failure. Again, give him Galliard number three. Number three, second movement is darn hard. <laughs> That's really hard. Um, you know, we're given the fourth movement. It doesn't have to be fancy. Mm-hmm. And so many of these kids coming out of college, they give them pieces that they were playing. Well, no, they're not going to play the Tonsman suite right away. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. You know, it's let's move up. They're not going to play the Pierre in one year. No. <laughs> Even the Bordeaux. Some kid was playing the Biche. It's like, <laughs> Are you out of your freaking mind, man? <laughs> it's just like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I don't know, long about way, Jackie, I'm sorry to, you know, but I, I don't get rid of students and I, I, I feel it's my fault if I can't get through to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kinda on the opposite end of the spectrum, when you have those special students where it's like, wow, not only do you have the potential to go into this, they seem ignited and excited at the prospect of going into it. You have done such a good job of cultivating those situations into colleagues of ours in the field. So when you find those special students, what is your approach to mentoring and and making sure that they reach the most of their potential on the bassoon, knowing they're likely embarking on a professional path? Um, it's to give them life lessons. It's to tell them what it's like in the real story, what it's like in music. <laughs> um, a lot of them will start us out as freelancers. How to behave. Keep your mouth shut. Don't gossip. Don't tell too much. I remember my son's percussion teacher when he was, when my son was doing auditions and we were going to the East Coast and he told him, he says, you know, those guys on the East Coast, they all know each other. The states are closer together. He says, just smile and nod. Don't be an asshole, but just don't tell them too much. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I, I teach them, I teach them life lessons and, and it, 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 it doesn't even matter if they go into music. It's like, you know, you listen. You know, and you remember, you show up on time. You show up before. You show up before. You don't, you don't assume. The other thing too is kids nowadays, they never read emails. They scan, they scan it, you know, and it's like, um, no, your lesson wasn't at this time. No, that's what you wrote down. No, no, let's, let's look what I wrote down. I, my sarcasm comes through and it's like, <laughs> oh, 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 I didn't see that. No, you saw that. You scanned it. And it's, it's teaching them life lessons to get along with everybody. I mean, you know, I'm 70 and I'm still freelancing. It's like, I must be doing something right because my, my students, which I'm thrilled about, I mean, they play better than me. That's the whole idea. I got to mm-hmm. put them out there. Um, and also, I, when I have that special one and it's guiding them to the 
correct school. And I never, never, only once did I tell a student, this is the school you should go to. But I never tell them what school to go to um, because they know when they walk on campus. They know right away. Um, I, I, I remember when my other son, you know, trombonist was was looking at universities, um, conservatories, and there was one university and he walked on the campus and he looked at my husband and he says, no, I don't want to, no, I don't want to be here. And my husband's like, you know, we just flew all the way here. I think you, you need to audition. <laughs> okay. But I mean, he knew right away and kids know right away and, and giving and telling them to audition everywhere. And also doing, you know, hopefully, you know, playing in front of other people. And this is what it's going to be like. You're either going to be in a concert hall on stage and they're going to be out there you know in the audience it might be one person it might be the wind ensemble director and the bassoon teacher we don't know it might be in their office with the other woodwind teachers it might be a mini private lesson and if it's a mini private lesson like 20 30 minutes i said you be on your best behavior all right. And I said, they're testing you. They, I said, you might be auditioning for them, but they want to audition to see if they want you as a student. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, that's a big deal. And and kids are always, they're like, oh, wow, I, I didn't think about it that way. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, they don't want to work with a jerk for the next four years. Mm-hmm. You know, someone that's, you know, saying, well, my teacher says to do that. Oh, I hate mm-hmm. that. I hate that. It's just like, no, you, you're, you're going to grow with the next teacher. I've given you the tools. Continue with the next teacher. And they might say, hey, I like this F-sharp fingering better than the one you're using. Great. There's like 10 of them. <laughs> it doesn't mean the one I've given you is wrong. It's just one of, I don't know, five or whatever, <laughs> you know, um, and just take their suggestions and go, okay you know, and, um, and get along with people. Another thing I tell my students, when you're in college, get to know the choral conducting majors. Because a lot of times those guys are going to get church gigs. And if that, and if that church has a lot of money, you might play some literature, you would never play on the concert stage. I've been lucky enough to play Mendelssohn's Elijah three times. What a glorious piece. But good friends with the choral conductor. Oh, we went to school together. You know, um, I can't tell you how many times I've done Mozart Requiem um, at churches for the mass, what it was written for. Um, Box, St. Matthew Passion, another uh, great piece. Um, Get to know just not the bassoonist. You never know who's going to recommend you. And I tell that to kids all the time. Mm-hmm. I said, a lot of stuff I've been recommended for has been from violinists. Mm-hmm. I said, think about it in the orchestra. They're sitting there and they look up. Who's playing? Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's a violinist. So I, Jackie, you know, and Galette, I try to just teach them the life skills, you know, um, as they're preparing for this life in music, which is, and to take disappointment well, 
I, I, I remember one time I had a student leaving and my son was visiting me and I said, Hey, Joe, she wants to go into music. Do you have any advice for her? And he looked up and he says, learn to take disappointment. That's so it's true. Like, it's so true. And, and you, you got to brush it off and, and it's, Oh, it's hard. It is hard. Um, but I, I wish at, you know, her age, I was given that advice. It doesn't always work out, you know, it doesn't always work out, but if it's meant to be, it will work out. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Are there, are there any, um, hidden gems in the repertoire? You had mentioned some pieces that you love to start kids on pedagogically. I would let you seem to have an extensive library in your mind. And I would love to know what some of those pieces are for pedagogical starting kids, you know, hidden gems of the pedagogical repertoire. Yeah. Um, one piece I really like is by Boismatier. It's three Baroque dances. It's a gavotte and two bourrées. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's not that hard. Um, as I said before, the galliards are gems, absolute gems. I remember when I was in college and Mr. Grossman and the cello teacher at University of Washington, Toby Sachs, the whole recital was galliard sonatas. And I think cool. he, I think he did one, three and five and she did two, four and six. I forget. You know, but they did three each. It, it was fabulous. It was absolutely wonderful. I love number six. Um, galliards are great. My go-to piece, if they're good, if I see potential, I'll give them Telemann Bassoon Sonata fourth movement. If they're really good, I'll give them Telemann Bassoon Sonata second movement. And that's has to be really good. Rarely do I do that. It's the fourth movement. <clears throat> As they get better, um, I'll give them the um, Bordeaux is wonderful. Bordeaux um, premier solo. It's a fabulous piece, um, and and it's hard. It is hard, and they get to show their musical chops. I love the lyric suite by Dunhill. Um, I love um, the Seguil, Seguil, S-E-Q-U-I-E-L-L-E. Great piece, great piece, um, which was um, edited by, by my first teacher's teacher at Eastman, Petsy. So um, I really like that piece. Um, for their first concerto, I'm, I'll do an easy, easy um, Vivaldi. You know, he wrote 39 of them. Um, the E minor is hard. I, I don't know why people always do that one. What's wrong with the, the C major? Dun, 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 or is that the B flat? I'm, I'm blanking out. Um, I, but I, I give them, you know, like the Weber, you know, um, bassoon concerto, which the only good movement is the second movement. Um, <laughs> rarely do I give a student the Mozart bassoon concerto. I, I just feel they're not ready for it, you know, and leave that to college. But the best of the best, I will give the Mozart. And they're, but they're going to live with it for the rest of their life. 
<laughs> so, um, it's, it's a nice introduction, you know, start off with the third movement. Um, but, um, I, I never, I don't give out the Mozart until year four, year five. Um, I'll give out the Weber, the Weber Hungarian Rondo. I can't stand that piece. I hate it. God, it's so stupid. Um, it's so <laughs> stupid. Uh, the first two pages are great and, you know, but then when it goes into the dancing bear, it's just, it's like, oh, barf. I hate it. I, I just, you know, I, you know, and, and kids seem to just love it. Oh my gosh, it's such a great piece. It's like, oh my God, really? Please, you're a, f- they're feebs. They're feeble minded children. They don't get it you know but whatever um and of course i love the tonsman i i always start off with the tonsman suite rarely do i give out the sonatine that's mm-hmm. to my college students mm-hmm. um it's so hard but the second movement of the tonsman sonatine is one of the most glorious things ever written um but again that's to the best of the best you know get those pieces you know um i think i gave kipris i think i gave him the biche uh, you know, he knocked it out of the park, you know, he, but, you know, that's a different person. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew his, his path, you know, and I stopped him up on all the fundamentals, all the books, um, Gambaro, Jean Court, which I love Jean Court. Um, sometimes when they say we want a Weisenborn, it's like, oh, no, let's do a Jean Court instead, you know? And it's like, oh, Francine, no, 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 it says Weisenborn. I go, trust me. They know who I am. Trust me. Play a Jean Court. <laughs> Show that you're musical, please, you know? Um, yeah. Um, Jean-Pierre only to the best of the best. Um, Orifici, you know, hard. Uh, Satzenhofer to the better ones, you know, but I, and I do, and I do a lot of these books. I do the Milda scale studies twice. Mm-hmm. They go through the Milda scale studies. I carry the Milda scale studies. It's my Bible. But the second time they go through the Milda scale studies, um, I alternate the articulations every other line. So like the f- first two lines will be slur to tongue to. And then after that, it's tongue to slur to slur, you know, yada, yada, yada. You got the <laughs> gist of it. Um, so I'm finding myself going through the Weisenborn again, you know, um, and going through the Jean courts, repeating it. And it's, it's so much easier for them the second time. It's like, mm-hmm. good. I did my job. Good. Yeah. So, um, you know, and a lot of times, you know, kids are taking lessons because the parents want them to. That rarely happens, you know, uh, not with parents today, not with parents today. You know, uh, I, I think the worst thing that can happen is when a parent says to their kid, I don't know anything about music. And it's like, oh, God, shut up. Please shut up. Just stop talking. (laughs) You know, (laughs) because they're just like, you know, kids, kids are not stupid. They're highly intelligent creatures of nature, and they pick up on that from their parents, and they come up with doozies of excuses. And I always say to them, I go, you're looking at the queen of excuses. I, had, I was the queen of excuses. 
You know, I had a student recently, her band teacher told her that she was out of tune. Okay. And she says, well, I'm out of tune because my reed keeps on falling off of the vocal. And I just dropped my jaw and I went, bravo. That is a great excuse. That is fabulous. I said, you know, I said, you are so smart, you know, and the mom was like, well, I think she's confused. I said, please just stop talking. Please let me do my job. I'm really good at it. Don't talk, please. You know, and, 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 and I, I, I think Keith Bowen said to me, well, I think it was Keith, the bassoon repair guy. He says, you know, Francine, you're really a good teacher because you scare the crap out of the parents, but the kids love you. And I went, oh, whatever, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. It's, it's just my job, whatever, you know, I mean, you guys. When you hit my age, you don't care anymore. I can't you know? wait. <laughs> you know, you know, like a month ago, I had one student who dropped lessons. It was like, that's fine. The next day I picked up three, three new ones. It's just like, okay, fine. Yeah. And also what's with parents not wanting to drive to my house? That's the time you're with your kid, you yeah. know? You know, and, uh, you know, I was not close with my dad, but he drove me to my piano lessons in Berkeley. That was my time with my dad. And I always got an ice cream cone afterwards. And that was our time, Mm -hmm. you know, and my time with my kids was driving them down to Benaroya Hall for lessons or driving into Seattle because I'm about uh, Bothell is what, 30 minutes outside with no traffic um you know that's your their time with their kid now it's it's like do you want a good teacher or do you want convenience well i want both well sorry you're gonna have to drive for it sweetheart you know and if not go ahead set your kid up for failure i don't care because i'll see him sometime (laughs) you know and they're like uh and they can't believe i'm so blunt it's like oh i don't care i don't care (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's just like I can say what I want to say, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know? but bottom line, I will never set a kid up for failure. And kids keep me young, you know. I had a friend last night at New Year's Eve. He says, "You're not seventy." I says, "I'm 70. He says, "No way." I said, "Way, I am <laughs> 70. He says, "I'm 70," and I said, "Yes, you are." <laughs> But I am also, kids keep you young and they keep me on my toes with their excuses. I mean, Jackie, isn't that great? I'm out of tune because the reed fell off the vocal. <laughs> God, I wish I could use that. Genius. Genius. And she had this, and, and I loved it. The kid had this smile on her face, but also kind of like, I think I just said the wrong thing. And I was like, yep, you did, but. Boy, that's a great excuse. You know, and I will applaud a kid for a good excuse when it's something like, um, oh, well, you know, my dog, you know, um, ate my notebook. It's like, oh, gosh, here we go. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, I was born yesterday, sweetheart. So, so. can I ask you a follow up question? 
slash advice for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Something that I have run into with middle school and high school students in the last probably five years, it's kind of been more and more. And I'm wondering if this is my region or if it's national, but the kids are coming in not knowing how to read. Thank you. They can't read. They learn Mm -hmm. everything by rote Mm -hmm. and they can't read rhythms. And it's really, really hard for them to read notes. Right. Is that something that you're, you're seeing more of also? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they refuse to learn bass clef. They write in the names of the notes and I erase it and they learn a note by the fingering. And it's like, what's the name of that note? Oh yeah. Um, I had a kid coming in. She goes, what's the name of that note? And I said, okay, what's the sentence for spaces in the bass clef? Um, 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 I said, come on, you got to know it like your name. Um, all right. Um, um, cows. No, that's the second space, sweetheart. Let's try the first space. Um, oh yeah. Um, um, great big dogs fight animals. No, that's the lines. Thank you. That was the next question. Let's work on the spaces. Um, cows and something about grass. Uh, okay. They're not smoking the grass, kid. What do you think it is? You know? Oh, all cows eat grass. Okay, by that time, you're done with the peace and band. You got to learn this. All cows eat grass. Great big dogs fight animals. You are not wrong, Galette. They are not reading. And and they don't try. Everything is on their phone. They can get it in two seconds. You know, mm-hmm. 20 seconds takes too long. They um, they don't want to take the time to work on anything. They they don't they want it instantly. And and it's like, do you play any sports? You know, you're not going to hit a home run right away. Mm-hmm. You're not going to you know, and and they don't seem to get that analogy. You know, we, we are so parallel to golf. Um, you know, to tennis. Uh-huh. it's like how do you think serena williams got so great she was she must have hit that ball against the the wall five thousand times uh-huh. it takes yes you're absolutely right and the other thing too is and i'm gonna shoot myself in the foot and i'm sorry but i think this is the worst generation of parenting the worst because the parents also grew up with the smartphone if you look at my better students, all the parents are older. Interesting. The younger ones, um, it's like, you know, well, um, you know, they weren't feeling good. It's like, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to performances sicker than a dog, but I got my ass in that chair. You know, I did my job. There, there's no work ethic, you know. And that kind of follows what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's like, you like sounding bad? You like this? But no, they will not read. And the other side of the coin, though, and it's tough. Band directors, they got a tough job. Right. They have a tough job. And they have to keep their numbers up. Yep. And they have to win at contest. And they yep. have to, yep. Yeah. And it is so hard because they'll tell the kids, you sound great. 
And it's like, but all right, they didn't really play an exact dotted eight sixteenth. Francine, it's good enough. Well, life is not good enough. Sorry. It, it it's you know or when when students say to me i don't want to do marching band i'm like please do marching band well bassoon isn't in marching band great pick up the cymbals you know do the bass drum please learn how to multitask if you're gonna if you want a job at at, at starbucks you got to multitask i go do you mm-hmm. ever see those guys they're going boom 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 taking orders you know making you know iced tea making a latte whatever they're multitasking but they don't seem to see the parallel and um and it goes with parents not wanting to do private lessons it's almost like an epidemic but the band directors who i adore a lot of them i think the hardest rhythm for them to teach is a dotted quarter eighth note at least with a dotted eight sixteenth you know the kid will get it it's like, okay, I have to get that in one beat. It might not be correct, but they got to do it. They don't know rhythms. Dot a quarter eighth note is so difficult. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it's like, no, the quarter note is tied to an eighth note. Let's do that. And they want the answer. Give me the answer. Sing it to me. No, no, no. I'm not going to sing it to you. I mean, I've gone through an entire lesson where I'm on the floor. Foot goes up. Foot goes down. Play. Up down play you know and and it's like wow because we're not doing them any favors by doing that yeah kids are not reading and like i said earlier they're scanning Mm -hmm. and 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 the band directors as much as i adore them and it's tough job Mm -hmm. tough job and not all of them but some it's like well that's good enough. It's good enough. The parents are happy. And it's like, all right. Okay. So I'm the villain here. I'm the bad guy when they come in for a private lesson or when I go into your school and coach them and say, that's incorrect. You're playing a wrong fingering, but they're w- willing it to be an mm-hmm. E flat, you know, and hopefully they have a read that plays their E natural flat. Yeah, that's the fingering for E flat. Well, no, sweetheart, it's not thumb one. That's E natural. Yeah, but I get E flat out of it. Well, that's because your read's flat. <laughs> it's, it's like, hello, clue phone. <laughs> you hear it ringing? It's, just, it's like, it's for you, kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but you're absolutely, yeah, they're not reading. And it's um, it's so disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how it is with trouble cleft, but it's, um, it's not great. It's not great. Yeah. And I try to do all these different analogies, you know? Um, so I learned great big dogs fight animals. Good burritos don't fall apart. Giant blueberries die Friday afternoon. Um, good boys do fine always. I mean, whatever. And, um, Oh, oh, the other one I love is like, do you know the bass clef? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been playing the piano for three years. Okay, what's the name of this note? Well, I don't know. Have you been taking piano lessons for three years? Oh, yeah. Okay. How often? Once a year? Really? You don't know what that the, the first line is? So... Yeah, it's very disturbing, you know, and um, we got to fight the battle. 
okay. you know, and that's why I'm going to teach till I die, you know, and I'm going to fight the fight and the, and the band directors are fighting the fight. It's so many, because enrollment is going down in Washington state. Well, on my side of the mountains, I, um, I don't know what's happening on your side of the mountains, Jackie, but uh, what's the first thing to go? Music. And, and they're fighting the fight and just to keep it. And, and when, when the administrators say, well, we'll bring it back. No, they're not. They're not going to bring it back. Mm -hmm. Once it's gone, it's gone. I I hate that, you know, and um, we have to educate these kids in the arts, in music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. And I'm sorry it's happening in your area. It's like, why? Yeah, I think it's nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, why do they, they still read books, don't they? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you <we>? know, <laughs> I hope so. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Can we hear about a favorite past musical memory that you would like to share with us? So many. Uh, I love playing Beethoven 9. That's always been great. Um, I think one of my best memories and scariest memories, and this was before the pandemic, I think a year before the pandemic. I'm not sure. And um, I was teaching a student one day, Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning. And um Second bassoonist of Seattle Symphony calls me up. I go, uh, what's going on? And he goes, where are you? I says, I'm home. He said, didn't you get a phone call from the personnel manager? I said, no. He says, the first bassoonist is sick. We're moving up. You got to come in and play Bartok Concerto for Orchestra. I was like, oh, yeah. And I I was like, um, um, uh, 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 okay. Ended the lesson, gave him some money back. I've never played Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra. I've worked on the excerpts. Yeah. But I've never played the piece. Okay. I wanted to stop off at Rite Aid and get a package of Depends because I was about to, you know, just, just absolutely pee in my pants. My God. And so I'm driving down to Ben Arroyo. You know, and it's third in Contra. So we go into a practice room, the three of us, and it's a hard part. You know, that, you know, da 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 da. You got to come in right away. And it's like, no, you're late. You're late. It's like, okay. Okay. It's like, all right. You know, and I'm sitting there going, thinking to myself, this is my swan song. I'm going to do the best I can. This is it. I'm getting all dramatic. It's like, oh, all right, whatever. You know, the conductor comes on stage. I think the personnel manager told him right beforehand, oh, um, all the bassoon players are on different parts. He comes out on stage. He looks at us. We just smile at him. As I'm walk, And also, as I'm walking out on stage, I'm talking to the first trumpet player, and he says, well, what's going on? I said, well, the first player's sick. So people moved up, and I got called. And um, he's, I said, I said, David, I've never played Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra. And he says, it's a nice piece. You're going to like it. The conductor's really good. I went, great, cool. That's fabulous. <laughs> Love it, you know. And um, 
there weren't enough drugs in the world for me to take my God. Um, and, and it came to the spot and it turned out fine, (laughs) you know, and it turned out just fine, you know, but I, that's what, you know, nerves, adrenaline does. Um, but it was also one of the most satisfying parts because there's more than just the solos. I, I was basically sight reading and, um, and it turned out fine. And it was one of my most memorable musical experiences. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and also like, you know, playing Mahler too with Seattle symphony. Ah, fabulous, fabulous, you know, um, but, you know, the thing is, a freelancer, you guys, I, again, I, you know, you probably will delete it later. That's fine. You know, but you have these wonder, wonderful moments. I mean, it's like an orgasm, you know, but then it's gone. <laughs> and it's gone, you know, and you never know when you're going to get called again. <laughs> Galetta, are you okay? <laughs> well, I mean, isn't it? Is, is isn't that true i mean it's just it's gone <laughs> on to the next <laughs> yeah, on to, yeah yeah and, and you hope you hope you get called again you know so you can experience that again uh, no, i thought you were gonna say <laughs> so but but i mean it's true isn't it i mean i mean it's it's like it's like one of the most wonderful moments of your life, and then it's gone. Yeah. It's like, when's that going to happen again? You know? But that's what it's like, you guys. You know, being a freelancer. You know? You're so excited. And it's just like, yeah, you know, and you do a good job, you know? And, and there's jo- times when you don't do a good job, and the conductor's cueing you, and you're like, you know, you know, just deer in headlights going oh i think i should be playing there it's like an out of body of experience well i missed that <laughs> okay uh, there we go that one's gone yeah i've done that more times than i care to admit <laughs> oh yeah it's just like what happened okay i really miscounted that one oh next well, okay. Speaking of next, I'm s- still crying. That was so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not wrong, am I? No, 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 no. I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> Your delivery was the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh well, thank you. I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I just speaking the truth. You know, it's yeah. like <laughs> that's it. Oh, so I have to compose myself before I ask our last question. Okay. Okay, sweetie. <laughs> so we have come to the end. I can't believe it. This was such an amazing conversation. Oh, we always sweetie. like to end by asking, what advice do you have for a young musician who aspires to have a career like yours? Keep working at it. Yeah. You know, when kids say, well, this is my dream. And it's like, I'm glad it's your dream, but why don't you make it your work? Work at it. And it is hard work. It's incredibly hard work. 
And as my son said, learn to deal with disappointment Mm -hmm. and don't give up. You know, if you have that feeling, don't give up. So many times it's just like, screw it. I'll get a job at Microsoft or something. You know, um, I am so lucky to do what I do. I am so lucky. I, I still get goosebumps when a kid gets it. When, when I say to them, you still haven't found that resonant position in your mouth. And they just look at you and I go, ah, they got it. They got it. I mean, I, it's, I, I love it. Um, and also humble yourself. Every day I get on the freeway on I-405 and I see Mount Rainier. And when you see nature like that, you're humbled. Every time I take the exit to go to Pacific Lutheran University um, or University of Puget Sound, I teach at both universities and especially going to PLU. And I take that exit and boom, there's Mount Rainier in front of me humble yourself and keep your mouth shut (laughs) smile and nod smile and nod and um, you know always be early but don't give up don't but you got to do the work that's I think is what escapes so many young people I have this dream good why don't you have the work that will lead to the dream the work ethic Work ethic, work, work. You know, um, I mean, I balance practicing. I wake up very early. I practice. I teach or I like go to schools and I coach or teach at my universities. And I never say, I rarely say no to gigs unless it's a conflict. You know, um, and also when you do get a gig. It's like, who recommended me? And you thank that person. Always. You keep the lines open. Try to get along with everyone, you know, even the ones you don't like. Smile and nod. Smile and nod. Francine, thank you so, so much. This was an absolute joy. We're so happy you spent your time, your very precious time with us. (laughs) It's been an honor. I mean, really, I mean, when I got the email from Jackie, I was like, me? What do they want me <laughs> for? You know, I am so honored because I've heard so many of your podcasts. And, and it's like, wow, wow. Oh. But um, I am honored. And I thank you so much. And you guys do a fabulous job. Thank you so, so much. Okay, we hope you enjoyed that interview and we hope that you will join us for the next episode. Rate and review on Apple Podcast and wherever you listen. Follow us on social media. Galit, who are we going to feature on the next episode? On the next episode, we had a wonderful conversation with oboist Ari Cohen-Mann. Jackie, let's end this nerd parade. Go make reads. <laughs>